0: This is part 5J of Heaven and Earth, a book on Christian Assurance by Puritan Thomas Brooks. And this section is entitled, Things that Accompany Salvation, Prayer. I come now in the sixth place to show you what prayer that is that doth accompany salvation. But I see that I must contract what remains into a narrow room, lest I should tire out both the reader and myself, which that I may not, I shall endeavour by divine assistance to mind brevity in what remains. Now that prayer that prayer doth accompany salvation I have formerly showed. Now I am briefly to show you what prayer that is that doth accompany salvation, and that I shall do in these following particulars. One, the requisites of prayer are as a form of divine worship. First, prayer is a divine worship wherein we speak to God in faith, humility, sincerity and fervency of spirit through the medium of Christ, begging those good things that we and others want, deprecating what we and others fear and giving thanks for what we and others have received. Prayer is a speaking to God face to face, it is Jacob's ladder by which the soul climbs up to heaven, it is Noah's dove that goes and returns not till it brings assurance of peace. But not to please you with notions, you must remember that that prayer that accompanies salvation is such prayer as hath in it all the requisites of prayer. Now, there are four requisites in prayer. One, the first requisite. First, the first, the person must be righteous, James 5.16. The fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, John 9.31. God heareth not sinners. The Jews urge it as a proverb. An unclean person polluteth his own prayers. Good motions from a bad heart make no music in heaven. The sweet words that drop from deceitful lips are but lies in the account of God. Hosea 11:12. I have read of a jewel that, being put in a dead man's mouth, it loseth all its virtue. <clears throat> Prayer in the mouth of a wicked man is that is dead. Godwards, Christwards, heavenwards, and holinesswards is a jewel that loseth all its virtue. Psalm 50, verses 16 and 17. But unto the wicked God saith, What hast thou to do to declare thy, my statutes, or that thou shouldest take my covenant into thy mouth, seeing that thou hatest instruction, and castest my words behind thee? Bias and heathen being at sea in a great storm, and perceiving many wicked wretches with him in the ship, Calling upon the gods, O oh, saith he, forbear prayer, hold your tongues. I would have not have the gods take notice that you are here. They will sure drown us all if they should. You are wise, and I know how to apply it. You are wise and know how to apply it. Two, the second requisite, the second requisite in prayer is this: the matter of your prayer must be good. On John five fourteen. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. The favourites of heaven have no further the ear of the king of kings in prayer than the matter of their prayer is good and agreeable to his will. Romans 8.27 The matter of your prayer must fall under some particular or general precept or promise, or else God will never own it nor honour it with with acceptance. He must not pray as Augustine prayed before his conversion. He prayed for continency with a proviso. Lord, give me continency, saith he, but not yet. Such hypocrisy is double iniquity, and God will deal with such sinners accordingly. 3. The third requisite. Thirdly, as the matter of your prayer must be good, so the manner of your prayer must be right. God regards not so much the matter as the manner of our prayer, God loves not only that a man should pray, but that he should pray well. Not only that he should do good, but that he should do it well. Now, for the better and further clearing of this truth, I shall show you, by divine assistance, what it is to pray in the right manner, and this I shall do in the following particulars. First, to pray in a right manner is to pray understandingly, to pray knowingly. 1 Corinthians 14:15. I will pray with understanding. He that doth not pray understandingly doth not pray but prate, as that parrot in Rome that could distinctly say over the whole creed. John 4.22 Ye worship ye know not what, says Christ, so many pray they know not what. Without knowledge the mind cannot be good. Proverbs 19.2 And can the prayer be good when the mind is bad? A blind man, a blind sacrifice, a blind priest are abominable to God, it was a good saying of one, God, God heareth not the words of one that prayeth, saith he, unless he that prayeth heareth them first heareth them first himself, and verily God will never understand that prayer that we do not understand ourselves. secondly, to pray in a right manner is to pray believingly hebrews eleven six He that cometh unto God must believe that he is. That is, that he is really as good, as gracious, as glorious, as excellent, and as constant as his word reports him to be, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. In the Greek, the word is in the present tense. Ye do receive them, to show the certainty of receiving them. You shall as certainly receive the good things that believingly you ask in prayer, as if you had them already in your hand. God will never let the hand of faith go empty away in prayer. Faith is God's darling, and he never fails to give it a worthy portion, a Benjamin's portion, a Hannah's portion, a double portion. James 1, 5-7 If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. He that prayeth doubtingly shuts the gates of heaven against his own prayers. It is reported in the life of Luther that when he prayed, it was tanta reverentia at si Deo e tanta fiducia at si Amico. With so much reverence, as if he were praying to God, and with so much boldness as if he had been speaking to his friend. Faith in prayer makes a man divinely familiar and bold with God in prayer. That prayer that hath not the image and stamp of faith upon it is no prayer in divine account. The sweetest flowers of paradise are only acceptable to God as they are tended to him by the hand of faith. When a poor man came to present a petition to the Emperor Augustus with his hand shaking and trembling for fear, The emperor was much displeased and said, It is not fit that any should come with a petition to a king, as if a man were giving meat to an elephant. That is, afraid to be destroyed by him. Verily, Jehovah loves to see every one of his petitioners come to him with steadfast faith and not with a trembling hand. Christ gets most glory, and the soul gets most good by those prayers that are accompanied with the actings of faith. Thirdly, to pray in a right manner is to pray intensely, fervently, earnestly, so James 5.16. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, or as the Greek hath it, the working prayer, that is, such prayer as sets the whole man at work. The word signifies such a working as denotes the liveliest activity that can be. As psychic kills, a psychic kills the body if it does not work, physics, sorry. As physic kills the body if it work not, so doth prayer the soul if it be not working prayer. As a painted fire is no fire, a dead man no man, so a cold prayer is no prayer. In a painted fire there is no heat, in a dead man there is no life, so in a cold prayer there is no omnipotency, no devotion, no blessing. It is not cold but working prayer that can lock up heaven three years and open heaven's gate at pleasure and bring down the sweetest blessings upon our heads and the choicest favours into our hearts. Cold prayers are as arrows without heads, as swords without edges, as birds without wings. They pierce not, they cut not, they fly not up to heaven. Cold prayers do always freeze before they reach to heaven. So Jacob was earnest in his wrestling with God. Let me alone, says God, I will not let thee go except thou bless me, says Jacob. Genesis 32 verses 24 to 27. Jacob, though lamed and hard-laid at, will not let the Lord go without a blessing. Jacob holds with his hands when his joints were out of joint, and so as a prince prevails with God. Jacob prays and weeps and weeps and prays, and so prevails with God. 12.4 Yea, he had power over the angel, and prevailed. He wept and made supplication unto him. It is not the labour of the lips, but the travail of the heart. It is not the pouring forth of the flood of words, but the pouring out of the soul that makes a man, a prince, a prevailer with God. A man that would gain victory over God in prayer must strain every string of his heart. He must, in beseeching God, beseech him, and so get the better of him. He must strive in prayer even to an agony. He must be like importunate beggars that will not be put off with frowns or silence or sad answers. Those that will be masters of their requests must with with the importunate widow press God so far as to put him on the blush. They must with a holy impudence, as Basil speaks, make God ashamed to look them in the face as if he should deny the importunity of their souls. An importunate soul will never cease till he speed. He will devour all discouragements, yea, he will turn discouragements into encouragements as the woman of Canaan did till Christ says, Be it unto thee, O soul, as thou wilt. As a body without a soul, much wood without fire, a bullet in a gun without powder, so are words in prayer without fervency of spirit. The hottest springs send forth their waters by boiling up. I have read of one who, being sensible of his own dullness and coldness in prayer, chid himself thus. What, dost thou think that Jonah prayed thus when he was in the belly of hell, or Daniel when he was in the lion's den, or the thief when he was upon the cross and i may add or the three children when they were in the fiery furnace or the apostles when they were in bonds and prisons oh that christians would chide themselves out of their cold prayers and chide themselves into a better and a warmer frame of spirit when they make their supplications before the lord an importunate soul in prayer is like the poor beggar that prays and knocks and prays and waits that prays and works that knocks and knits, that begs and patches, and will not stir from the door till he hath an alms. And verily, he that is good at this will not be long a beggar in grace. God will make his heart and his cup to overflow. Fourthly, to pray in a right manner is to pray assiduously, constantly, as well as fervently. Luke eighteen one, And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint or as it is in the Greek, not to shrink back as sluggards in work or cowards in war. Now men pray always first, when their hearts are always prepared to pray, or in a praying frame, secondly, when they do not omit the duty, when it is to be performed, or when they take hold on every opportunity to pour out their souls before the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 Pray without ceasing. A man must always pray habitually, though not actually, He must have his heart in a praying disposition, in all estates and conditions, in prosperity and adversity, in health and sickness, in strength and weakness, in wealth and wants, in life and death. So in Ephesians 6.18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Our daily weaknesses, our daily wants, our daily fears, our daily dangers, and our daily temptations Bespeak our daily prayers. Romans 12.12 12. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulations, continuing instant in prayer. This contains a metaphor taken from dogs that hunt, that will not give over the game till they have got it. A dog of all creatures is best able to endure hunger. He will run from place to place and never leave off till he hath got his prey. So a child of God, in his hunting after God, Christ, grace, peace, mercy, glory, never gives over till he hath found his heavenly prey, Song of Solomon 3, four. At length I found him whom my soul loved, I held him and would not let him go. The spouse never left hunting after her beloved till she had found him. Gracious souls reckon that they have nothing till they speed in the things that they, they sue for. They pray as if they had never prayed, and think that they have done such nothing till they have done the deed. It is observed by some Proteus, the heathen sea god, that he was wont to give certain oracles, but it was hard to make him speak and deliver them without his turning of himself into several shapes and forms. Yet if they would hold out and press him hard without fear into whatsoever form or shape he appeared, they were sure to have satisfactory oracles. So if we will continue constant in our wrestling with God for blessings, though God should appear unto us in the form or shape of a judge, an enemy, a stranger, and so on, Yet if we continue to press him hard for mercy, verily mercy will come in the long run and we shall say that it is not in vain for men to hold on praying even though God for a time delays giving the particular particular favours they sue for. As that emperor said, it behoves an emperor to die standing, so may I say. It behoves a Christian to die praying. Fifthly, to pray in a right manner is to pray sincerely. Psalm seventeen one. Give ear unto my prayer that goeth, goeth not out of feigned lips, whereas it is in the Hebrew out of the lips of deceit. Psalms one hundred Psalm one hundred forty five verse eighteen. The Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon him, that call upon him in truth. Your heart and tongue must together go and work. Lip and life, prayer and practice must echo one to another, or all will be lost heaven lost and the soul lost ever. It is not the greatness of the voice, nor the multitude of words, <clears throat> nor the sweetness of the tone, nor studied notions, nor eloquent expressions <coughs> that pleases Jehovah, but truth in the inward parts. Psalm 51, verse 6. When the Athenians inquired of the oracle, the cause of their often unprosperous success is in battle against the Spartans, seeing they offered in sacrifice to the gods the choicest things they could get, which their enemies did not, the oracle gave them this answer, that the gods were better pleased with their supplication without ambition than with all their outward pomp in costly sacrifices. Ah, souls, the reason why you are so unsuccessful in your religious duties and services is that you are no more sincere and upright in them. Were there more singleness and sincerity of heart in your duties you would have surer and sweeter returns from heaven. Tis reported of Jerichim, the father of the Virgin Mary, that he would often say, Prayer is my meat and drink. Ah, Christians, the more sincere you are, the more will prayer be your meat and drink, and the more prayer is a delight and pleasure to you, the more will you be the pleasure and delight of God, who delights in those who delight in his service, and that count is work better than wages. It was more troublesome to Severus the emperor to be asked nothing than to give much. <clears throat> when any one of his courtiers had not made bold with him, he would call him and say, "What meanest thou to ask me nothing?" <clears throat> so Christ, so says Christ to upright souls, hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. <clears throat> ask, <clears throat> ask, and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. John sixteen verses twenty four. Christ had a full purse, a noble heart and a liberal hand. For the fourth requisite in prayer is this, that is, your prayer must be directed to a good end. It must be to the glory of God and to the internal and eternal advantage of your own and others' souls. The chiefest end, the target, the mark at which the soul must aim in prayer, is God's glory. Whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10.31 when God crowns us, he doth but crown his own gifts in us. And when we give God the glory of all we do, we do but give him the glory that is due unto his name. For he work He works all our works in us and for us. God measures all men's actions by their ends. If their end be good, all is good. If the end be naught, all is naught. The end determineth the action. All actions of worship are good or bad, as the mark is at which the soul aims. He that makes God the object of prayer, but not the end of prayer, doth but lose his prayer and make pains to do unto him, to undo himself. God will be all in all, or he will be nothing at all. He will be the Alexander or Nemo, chief or nothing. He will be not both the object and the end of prayer, or else he will abhor your prayer. Those prayers never reach his ears, they are never lodged in his bosom, that are not directed to his glory. The end must always be as noble as the means, or else a Christian acts below himself, yea, below his very reason. Ah, Christians, it is not a flood of words, nor high strains of wit, nor vehemency of affections in prayer, but holy and gracious ends that will render prayer acceptable and honourable to God, comfortable and profitable to yourselves and others. Yea, the directing of one prayer to divine glory doth more torture and torment Satan than all the prayers in the world that are directed to ends below divine glory. It is not simply prayer, but the soul's aiming at divine glory in prayer that adds to Christ's crown and Satan's hell. And thus I have showed you all the requisites of prayer, even of such prayer as accompanies salvation. I shall now proceed to some other particulars for the further and fuller opening of this truth. To prayer betters the whole man. Secondly, that prayer that accompanies salvation betters the whole man. By it, faith is increased, hope strengthened, the spirit exhilarated, the heart pacified, the conscience purified, temptations vanquished, corruptions weakened, the affections inflamed, the will more renewed, and the whole man more advantaged. Prayer is a spiritual chair wherein the soul sitteth down at the feet of the Lord to receive the influences of his grace. Prayer is the regal gate by which the Lord entereth into the heart, comforting, quieting, strengthening, quickening, and raising of it. The scripture affords us a cloud of witnesses to prove this truth. But I appeal to praying saints. Ah, tell me, tell me, praying souls, do not you find it so? I know you have done so, and do, and that is it that makes prayer a pleasure, a paradise unto you. Three, eight differences between the prayers of the godly and those of the ungodly. Thirdly, you may judge what prayer that is that accompanies salvation by considering the difference that is betwixt the prayers of the godly and those of the wicked. Now the difference between the prayers of the one and the other I shall show you in the following particulars. The first difference Gracious souls do trade and deal with God in prayer, only upon the account and credit of Christ. They beg mercy to pardon them, and grace to purge them, and balm to heal them, and divine favour to comfort them, and power to support them, and wisdom to counsel them, and goodness to satisfy them, but all upon the account of Christ's blood, of Christ's righteousness, of Christ's satisfaction, and of Christ's intercession, at the right hand of the Father, Revelation 4, verses 10 and 11. They seek the Father through the Son, they present their suits always in Christ's name, for so is the will of God Christ, John fourteen verses thirteen and fourteen, and whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son, if ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it john fifteen sixteen whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you chapter sixteen twenty three Verily I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. The Greek is pregnant and may be read not only whatsoever, but also how many things soever ye shall ask or beg of the Father in my name, he will give them to you. There is no admission in heaven, except we bring Christ in our arms. Ephesians 2.18 For through him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. The Greek word signifies a leading by the hand. It is an allusion to the custom of princes into whose presence there is no admission unless we be brought in by one of the favourites. Plutarch reports that it was wont to be the way of some of the heathens, the Molossians, when they would seek the favour of their prince to take up the king's son in their arms and to go and kneel before the king. Ah, Christians, Christ is near and dear unto the Father, the Father hath determined to give out all his loves and favours through his Son. If you bring Christ in the arms of your faith, you gain the Father's heart, and in gaining his heart, you gain all. The Father's mercies melt, his heart turns, his compassions are kindled upon the sight of his Son's merits and meditation. As Joseph said to his brethren, You shall not see my face unless you bring your brother Benjamin. So says God, you shall not see my face unless you bring the Lord Jesus with you. Now gracious souls in all their prayers present Jesus Christ before the Father, and upon his account they desire those things that make for their external, internal, and eternal good. Ah, but vain men treat and trade with God in prayer upon the account of their own worth, righteousness, worthiness and services, Isaiah fifty eight. Verses 2 and 3, Yet they seek me daily, and delight to know my ways, as a nation that did righteousness, and forsook not the ordinances of God. They ask of me the ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching to God. Wherefore have we fasted, say they, and thou seest not? Wherefore have we afflicted our souls, and thou takest no knowledge? Here, you see, they stand upon their own practices and services, and expostulate the case with God in an angry manner, because God did not answer their hypocritical performances. So the proud Pharisee stands in prayer upon his own worthiness and righteousness. Luke 18, verses 11 and 12. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week, I give tithes of all that I possess. So did those hypocrites in matthew six twenty three stand very much upon their outward services and performances though they were but shining sins but filthy rags. The second difference souls truly gracious pray more to get off their sins than they do to get off their chains. though bonds did attend Paul in every place, as he himself says acts twenty twenty three Yet he never cries out, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from my bonds? But O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from my sins, from this body of death? Romans 7.23. But wicked men strive in prayer (coughs) more (coughs) to get off their chains than to get off their sins, more to be delivered from enemies without, without than lusts within more to get out of the furnace and to be delivered from their spiritual bondage, Psalm seventy-eight thirty-four, the Zechariah 7, verses 5 to 7, Isaiah 26, verses 16 and 17. <clears throat> the third difference, the stream and cream of a gracious man's spirit runs most out in prayer after spiritual and heavenly things, as is abundantly evident by those prayers of the saints that are upon record throughout the scripture. Psalm four, verses six and seven, and twenty-seven, four. But the stream and cream of vain men's spirits in prayer runs most out after poor, low, carnal things, as you may see in comparing the following scriptures together: Hosea seven fourteen, Zechariah seven verses five to seven, James four and three, verse three. The fourth difference: a gracious soul looks and lives more upon God in prayer than upon his prayer. He knows through prayer, but he he knows through prayer. Be his chariot, yet Christ is his food. Prayer may be a staff to support him, but Christ is that manna that must nourish him, and upon him he looks and lives. Psalm five verse three. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee, or marshal and set in order my prayer as it is in the Hebrew, and I will look up or look out as it is in the hebrew as a watchman looks out to discover the approaches of an enemy but vain men live and look more upon their prayers than they do upon god nay usually they never observe what returns they have from heaven they are like those that shoot arrows but do not mind where they fall wicked men think it is religion enough for them to pray and to look after their prayers to see how their prayer speed is no article of their faith but a gracious soul is of a more noble spirit when he hath prayed, he will stand upon his watchtower and observe what God will speak. Psalm eighty-five eight, I will hear what God the Lord will speak. I will listen and lay my obedient ear to what the Lord shall speak. For he will speak peace unto his people and to his saints. But let them not return to folly, or as the Hebrew may be read, and they shall not return to folly. Wicked men would have God be all ear and to hear what they desire, but then themselves have never an ear to hear what he says. The deaf ears shall always be attended with dumb answers. Justice always makes mercy dumb when sin hath made the sinner deaf. The fifth difference, no discouragements can take gracious souls off from prayer, but the least discouragement will take off carnal hearts from prayer, as you may see in the following scriptures compared together, Psalm 40 verses 1 and 2 and 44 verses 10 to 23. Matthew fifteen twenty one to twenty nine and Malachi three fourteen, Isaiah fifty eight verses one to three and Amos eight three to five. Those who want to can pause um, at this point and, and look those passages up. When one of the ancient martyrs was terrified with the threatenings of his persecutors, he replied, "There is nothing," saith he, "of things visible, nothing of things invisible that I fear. I will stand to my profession of the name of Christ." and contend earnestly for the faith once delivered to the saints, come what will. It is neither the hope of life nor the fear of death that can take a real Christian off from prayer. He is rather raised than dejected. He is rather quickened than discouraged by delays or denials. He will hold up and hold on in a way and course a prayer, though men should rage and lions roar and the furnace be heated seven times hotter. But it is not so with carnal hearts. Job 27 verses 9 and 10. The sixth difference, when a gracious man prays, he hath his heart in his prayer. When he falls to prayer, he makes heart work of it. So David, Psalm 42, verse 4. When I remember these things, I pour out my heart. So Hannah, 1 Samuel one fifteen I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit, said she, and have poured out my soul before the Lord. So the Israelites in 1 Samuel 7, 6, pour out their souls like water before the Lord. So the church in Isaiah 26, verses 8 and 9. The desire of our soul is to thy name and to the remembrance of thee. With my soul have I desired thee in the night. Yea, with my soul within me will I seek thee early. Gracious souls know that no prayer is acknowledged, accepted and rewarded by God, but that wherein the heart is engaged sincerely and wholly. It is not a piece, it is not a corner of the heart that will satisfy the maker of the heart. The true mother would not have the child divided. As God loves a broken and a contrite heart, so he loathes a divided heart. God neither loves halting nor halving. He wills to be served truly and totally. The royal law is, Thou shalt love and serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul. Deuteronomy 10.12 Among the heathen, when the beasts were cut up for sacrifice, the first thing the priest looked upon was the heart. And if the heart was not, the sacrifice was rejected. Verily, God rejects all those sacrifices wherein the heart is not. Now, wicked men are heartless in all their services, in all their prayers, as you may see in comparing the following scriptures together. I shall not transcribe the words, because I must cut short the work. Isaiah 29.13 Matthew 15.7-9 Ezekiel 33.30-32 Zachariah seven verses four to six, two Chronicles twenty five, verses one and two. As the body without the soul is dead, so prayer, unless the heart be in it, is but dead prayer in the eye and account of God. Prayer is only lovely and weighty as the heart is in it, and no otherwise. It is not the lifting up of the voice, nor the ringing of the hands, nor the beating of the breast, but the stirrings of the heart that God looks at in prayer. God hears no more than that. The heart speaks. If the heart be dumb, God will certainly be deaf. No prayer takes with God but that which is the travail of the heart. The seventh difference. Gracious souls usually come off from prayer with hearts more disengaged from sin and more vehemently set against it. The precious communion that they have with God in prayer The sweet breathings of God into their hearts, whilst they are breathing out their requests in his ears, and the secret assistance, stirrings and movings of the Spirit upon their souls in prayer, arm them more against sin and make them stand upon the highest terms of defiance with sin. How shall I do this or that wickedness against God, says the praying soul? Oh, I cannot. I will not do anything unworthy of him that hath caused his glory to pass before me in prayer. Ah, but wicked men come off from prayer with hearts more encouraged to sin, and more resolved to walk in ways of sin. Proverbs 7, verses 14-24 to 24. I have peace offerings with me, saith the harlot. This day have I paid my vows. Therefore came I forth to meet thee diligently to seek thy face, and I have found thee. Come, let us take our fill of love until the morning. Let us solace ourselves with loves. So in Jeremiah 7, verses 9-10 and 10. Will ye steal, murder, and commit adultery, and swear falsely, and burn incense unto Baal, and walk after other gods whom ye know not? And come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, We are delivered to do all these abominations. Wicked men are like Louis, king of France, that would swear and then kiss the cross, and then swear more bitterly and then kiss the cross. So they sin and pray, and pray and sin, and the more they pray, the more easily, resolutely, impudently do they sin. They make use of prayer to charm their consciences, that so they may sin with more pleasure and less regret. Ah, what pains do such sinners do take to go to hell and to arm their consciences against themselves in that day, wherein they shall say, There is no help, there is no hope. The eighth difference. Lastly, gracious souls do more eye and observe how their own hearts are wrought upon in prayer than how others hearts are wrought upon when they pray they look with a curious eye upon their own spirits they look with a narrow eye upon their own hearts and observe how they are affected melted humbled quickened raised spiritualized and bettered by prayer but vain men as they pray to be seen of men so the eye most how others like their prayers and are affected and taken with their prayers They are most critical in observing what operations their prayers have upon others' hearts, but never mind to any purpose how they operate upon their own hearts. The worst plague cannot befall them. Matthew 6.23 And thus I have endeavoured to show you what a wide difference there is betwixt the prayers of the godly and the ungodly, and by this, as by the former particulars laid down, you may see what prayer that is that accompanies salvation. Now in the seventh place I shall show you what perseverance that is that accompanies salvation, and that I shall do in these following particulars, the properties of perseverance. One, perseverance appertains to a holy profession. Right, we'll come to perseverance um, next time. So uh, that ends the section on prayer. Very wonderful. And those who are interested might also want to listen to the... um, The the Treatise on Prayer, which I put up yesterday on Sermon Audio by J.C. Ryle, an excellent treatise also.